1: Bucknoters, Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, June 12th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, we're going to talk about a variety of stuff on today's show. There's not really one theme. We're going to start off with talking about Nicholas Pettit-Ferrer, the registered freshman offensive lineman for Ohio State. You know, when I keep doing my projections, I have him as like the sixth man. But the more I think about it, I think, I don't know. I, I keep hearing good things about him. Maybe they will find a way to start him. Maybe he could be the starting right tackle. They can move Brandon Bowen inside. Or maybe Brandon Bowen would be the sixth guy. I don't know. What do you think is going to happen with NPF? Do you think he's going to be a starter, or do you think he's going to be kind of like a super sub for the Buckeyes? And if he is a starter backs, who goes to the bench?
0: Well, if he starts, I think the guy who goes to the bench is going to end up being Wyatt Davis at guard. I think the staff has it in their mind that they're getting Bowen on the field this year no matter what because they think he's one of the top five linemen. And while that term, top five guys, Uh, gives us all shivers reaching back to the Walrus days of playing centers at tackle just to get them on the field. Uh, The truth is I, I think Bowen has shown that he has the ability to play virtually everywhere on the line. And with that in mind, that means that they are deciding whether they think the team is going to be better with Wyatt Davis at guard or whether it's going to be better with NPF at right tackle. So I think that's a bit of a fulcrum here too. It's kind of weird that I don't think he's necessarily competing with Bowen for the tackle job. Uh, I think it's sort of a puzzle right now that's being put together. Uh, I will say this. I I do think that you're going to have to have NPF really go out and earn this job. Uh, There's not a question about talent with him. It's a question about getting the size in and getting the consistency in his play. So I, I think in a perfect world the staff wants him to take the job. Uh, whether he actually does remains to be seen, but I think that's one of the top storylines of, uh, of camp this fall with the offensive line is how that sort of Tetris puzzle is going to shape itself into place.
1: I guess at this point, rankings don't really matter, recruiting rankings, once you you get to campus. But I look at a guy like Pettit Ferrer. He was the number one offensive tackle recruit in the country, the best offensive tackle recruit in the country. We knew he needed to put on weight, so it wasn't a surprise that he didn't play much last year. He got on the field a little bit, was still able to register because of the new rule where if you play four games or less, you can register, so that's good. My thing is, if you're the number one tackle recruit in the country and you're starting by year two, that's probably a problem. Uh, Probably a problem. so I agree with you. I do think they're going to, the more I think about it, I think they're going to find a way to get NPF out there. And maybe rankings shouldn't matter, but if you're the number one tackle recruit in the country, you should be starting by your second year, right, Bex?
0: Well, and I think there's another element to that. If it's a really tight battle between him and, and Davis or, or however you want to shape it out uh, to see who the top five guys are, you have to look at it like we just saw with Julian Fleming. He talked about he didn't want to go to Penn State, and one of the reasons he gave was that, one of the top receivers in the country barely played there right away. If Ohio State is the number one tackle in the country and he's not able to get on the field, is that a reflection of the number one tackle? Is that a reflection of the development he's getting when other recruits, a.k.a. Paris Johnson, are looking at Ohio State? So I think, again, that goes to the reasoning for why, in a perfect world, he should be on the field. No, I don't think the staff is going to – you know, just put him on the field because they think he needs to be on the field. I think they're going to put him on the field because he's earned it. But that's another element to this all that, you know, most people aren't going to be sitting here really thinking a lot about is there's an impact if you recruit a guy like that and he doesn't get on the field the way you expect him to. When he's that uber elite of a recruit, those kids are supposed to be can't miss guys and they're supposed to be play early guys. They're supposed to be three and done kind of guys. So, you know, NPF, if he has the weight on, it's time to get on the field. I agree with you on that front.
1: Yeah, and Wyatt Davis was a big-time recruit as well. I mean, he dropped from a five-star to a four-star, so he wasn't, by the end of the process, so he wasn't quite as big of a recruit as NPF. So, you know it's good when you're talking about, Oh, uh, you know, it's a good problem to have for Ohio State if it comes down to NPF or Wyatt Davis for the final starting spot with Brain and Bowen, of course, as you mentioned, being able to play right tackle or move in inside a right guard if they decide to go with Pettit Ferrer at right tackle and move. Wyatt Davis to the bench. I'm sure whoever is the sixth man is still going to get to play a decent amount. They'll do some rotating, I bet, um, at least early in the season. Um, Switching gears, um, I found it very interesting. Joshua Perry on his podcast, you know, he was over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and the the biggest thing that he's picked up is the, the team right now during summer under Coach Mick, they're doing, quote, more running than ever. And that's saying a lot because they've always been busting their tails in the in the uh, summer. And Joshua didn't say this. It sounds like they're they're still lifting a lot. They may be lifting a little bit less and running more. Still lifting a lot, but maybe lifting a little bit less than they have and running more than they have is what I got out of it. He just said they're running more than ever. What do you make of that?
0: Well, I think it may be a little bit of a philosophy shift. Uh, let, let's face it. What was what was our defensive backfield asked to do last year in a lot of respects? They were asked to not turn around and find the football. They were asked to rotate a little bit. I, I think that with the tempo play you see increasing across college football, I think with the fact that OSU has a bunch of guys who are proving themselves to get on the field, uh, you're going to end up seeing the new regime sort of trying to put their own stamp on things. Another thing, too, I think you're seeing here is it's just human nature. You think Coach Mick isn't trying to put his foot down and say absolutely nothing is changing, in fact, we're making it harder this year? whenever you're in the middle of a coaching transition, to me that makes a lot of sense from a Marathi point of view. That He doesn't want these guys to even remotely think that they can let up from all the things that they were held to in the, in the Urban Meyer era. That's him sort of protecting his new coach. So I, I really think that the, I wouldn't read into it so much as a philosophical move as it is a, a strategy and psychology move to keep these young men locked in during their off-season training portion of the year.
1: Back to look at the safety position. Obviously, Jordan Fuller is returning for his senior year. He's going to be a three-year starter. He was a captain last year. Uh, missed most of the spring with an injury, but he should be fine for the start of camp. And then, you know, I had Brendan White, you know, in, in Sharpie as, as the, the opposite starting safety on the other side of Ford. Obviously, he can play the bullet position and move down, kind of be a hybrid outside linebacker, safety. But Brendan White was a little bit in the doghouse in spring. Um, you know, Maybe he can get out of the doghouse. Who do you think is going to be the starting safety opposite Jordan Ford? Do you think they're going to do some rotating there? Just How do you think that's going to shake out?
0: Oh, I definitely think it's a rotating situation. Uh, Sean Wade's obviously a guy who's going to play some safety, play some corner. Uh, he played there last year. He's going to certainly get playing time. And with Brendan White, they've done this whole bullet position change with him, which means that they think that he's going to play closer to the line of scrimmage as much as he's going to play is a pure safety. And, look, I I don't know if we're privy to the situations of his doghouse uh, arrival. I think maybe it's a guy who a lot came to him at once and uh, maybe he got a little too excited about it. Uh, That's just me speculating. But, you know, in the end, the guy made such an impact over the last couple games of the season at a position that was like an open wound the whole year that you have to be – you'd have to have a lot of weird stuff happen for him to not play a lot this year. And I certainly think Brendan White can be an impact player. So those two guys, I think, are going to be the primary two who rotate through. You know, we've been hearing good stuff about Isaiah Pryor in the off-season here, but there's a reason that he got passed in the depth chart last year. But, you know, with a new coaching staff, some of these guys are going to get a bit of a longer look than they would have had the old staff remained in place. And, you know, I think there's going to be certainly some rotating at the position because we haven't even talked about young guys like Josh Proctor yet who are going to be forcing their way under the field in some capacity over the course of the year. So I definitely think it's a rotation, but I do think you're going to end up seeing most of that playing time go to Wade and White.
1: I like it. Um, speaking of defensive backs, recruiting's really heating up for the Buckeyes. The, the crystal balls are coming in in Ohio State's favor for high four-star corner Clark Phillips. He's from California, uh, number 47 overall player in the country, so he's a, he's a kid knocking on the door to be a five-star. It was thought to be maybe an Ohio State-Notre Dame battle. Now people are saying it's an Ohio State-Cal battle. I mean, nothing. I know he's from California, but if it's Ohio State against Cal, I like Ohio State's chances there. Uh Your thought, thoughts on, on Clark Phillips perhaps uh, becoming a Buckeye? And also just, you know, Recruiting in general backs. The Buckeyes are on, on a hot streak here. Grant Tutant flipping from Penn State to Ohio State, the offensive tackle for Michigan, and it sounds like they're close to landing a number of kids this month. So recruiting's really heating up for the Buckeyes.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited about Clark Phillips because he's a defensive player. I've never had any illusions that Ryan Day was going to struggle recruiting offensive players. But when you're able to bring a top fifty overall national kids who play defense, That's a much better sign of where this recruiting is actually going with the staff. So, yeah, I'm excited about this one. Uh, Like you said, if it's Ohio State and Cal, we know where he's going. That's like when you see the kids from Chicago who have, like, Illinois as one of their final three, and the other two are Alabama and Clemson. You know they're not going to Illinois. Like, they're putting them in there as like a, yes, we appreciate the local staff and thank them for recruiting us and want them to look fondly at our buddies and kids following us from our local school. But Phillips was always supposed to be an OSU-Notre Dame battle. And when you have people like Tom Loy crystal balling him to Ohio State, that says all you pretty much need to know on this one. So, yeah, I'm excited about where that one's going. That would be the second defensive back commitment in this class for Ohio State. And, really, that's a good sign. And now we need to start getting some of the bigger guys who play close to the line of scrimmage in the defensive class. So, you know, hey, everything's a, a good thing whenever you're recruiting top 50 players, regardless of position. But this is a very, very positive development for Ohio State if they're going to end up getting a guy like Clark Phillips to come to OSU. I just, if he stays at Cal, I'll be flabbergasted. Let's put it that way.
1: Great insights as always from the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Appreciate it, Bax, and appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning to the show. I hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land.